I just want uh, to recruit Yestin. Is he still there? I need Yestin. I need Yestin. You're going to have to help me, Yestin. Yestin, I want you to have a special job this morning. So can you sit on the front row, please? You have the incredible job of being the man who is like the judge or the umpire in athletics event in ancient Rome or Greece. So I'm going to pick out kids who do really well in this session to win one of five crowns. Can we have my first slide on Martin, please? Because we're going to look at the five crowns of the believer. And the key question is, what will believers be rewarded for at their final judgment? That flows from my teaching last week, 1 Corinthians 3. Just so you know, when we get to the victor's crown, the victor's crown was made out of olive branches. This was for the athletes who won. Now, if you won at the Olympics, the ancient Olympics, you would be given the victor's crown. You're definitely worthy of it. You, you are today, mate. You'd be given the victor's crown and you'd be treated like a sports personality in the ancient world. And in Olympia, they would erect a statue to your fame, and people would be very impressed with you. So when we get to the victor's crown bit, which of course we sung about Jesus, he was definitely the first over the line into eternity future, we're going to talk about how believers can share in a victory crown. Okay, so let's look at the five crowns of the believers, and hopefully Yestin will be able to help me do this. There are lots of um, key verses in the New Testament about rewards. But last week, if you remember, I taught about the judgment seat of Christ, a place where believers will experience rewards or the loss of heavenly rewards based on the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Let's put in there, you are not going to be punished as far as I understand the scriptures. That is sound teaching. The believers are free from punishment because Jesus was punished for our peace with God. Are we clear on that? Good, that should be a comforting statement. But rewards for good or bad, the loss or the gain of heavenly rewards. Of course, we serve the Lord Jesus for his glory and out of love for him, not for selfish gain, but understanding the nature of rewards will help us to do that. It obviously really matters this teaching. So today I want to teach a little bit about the five crowns mentioned in New Testament scripture. There are other rewards. You'll have to do a Bible study yourself for that beyond the scope of this. The danger with doing this reward system is people think, well, I'll get one of them. Great. That's not the full teaching on rewards in the Bible. Please study it privately. This is definitely just something I want to highlight. Five crowns, though, the reason I've chosen it is it's a memorable aspect of the rewards teaching. Now, I'm well suited to teach on this subject because my name literally means crowned one or the one who wears the crown. Stephen comes from Stephanos in the Greek, which is the one who wears the crown or crowned one. We also, of course, have the historic backdrop for the king's coronation. So today is certainly a good day to do this teaching. Uh, note to the children. Can we have the next slide, please? You have on your busy boards this Sheets, yeah, I'll show you, show you physically. And I know they're tiny, so you're going to have to get your tiny stamp drawing skills out. But for each one of those five boxes, 
I want you to draw into those five boxes a picture or some shapes or patterns or some words that relate to my teaching at each point. So the question to you children is, what on earth do children and grown-ups get these rewards for in this life? In other words, if I said the victory crown or the crown of rejoicing, what would Jesus really be happy with in this life? And then at the end, on the finish line, he'd say, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's your crown of rejoicing. Here's your crown of victory and so on. Try and think about what it would be. And I might pause during my teaching and ask you for answers to, those, to that question. Okay, so hopefully you've got, if you, has anyone not got a busy board? I can see people getting them. Has anyone not got one that wants one? Rachel might be able to get one. Some of the grown-ups will put their hands up now. So let me read from 1 Corinthians 9. Oshin, uh, sorry, Yestin, I want you to stand up and wave the victory crown in a minute because this is the thing that uh, the Apostle Paul was teaching with. Actually, you're, you're confident enough. I just know you are. Can you stand up and hold this up and, at the people and just wave at them the victory crown? Right? Stand at the front, face the people. I'd love to see you play rugby one day. I believe you're a really good tackler. Right, verse 24 of chapter 9 in 1 Corinthians says, Do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. That's what they were given. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. Of course, an olive branch crown would eventually die, cut from a plant. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. This is the Apostle Paul talking about his discipleship journey. I do not fight like a boxer beat in the air. He's watching the Isthmian Games, I imagine, when he's writing this. He's aware of the culture of Corinth. Nor do I, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Now, a lot of people read that Bible verse and think, does it mean Paul's scared of losing his salvation? He's saying, no, I want to live the Christian life in such a way that I am qualifying for the winner's medal. Does that make sense? He is pushing it hard to be at the front of the race. I remember, thanks, Justin, just sit down for a minute. I'll call you back in a minute. That's great. Man, you're amazing. I remember going to a school sports day and I was looking up and down the, the dad's race line and... Um, Overconfident is, is an understatement. I was looking around, think I could beat you. I could beat you. No, I couldn't beat you. You look really lean. There was one guy next to me. He was a chunk. You know the sort of guy who would be finding cats gym down the road, lifting heavy weights. I thought, man, I'm going to whip you. The guy finished the race before the rest of the dads had got halfway down the running track, the guy that I was mocking. It's amazing who will win the prize in dad's races. One, the second year, there was a guy who was much bigger than me, about two, two times my size. <laughs> Stupid things. I grabbed him and threw him back and ran like this. And he's looking like, what are you doing? He's really friendly, friendly with me now every day at the morning at the, at the gates. It's fun, the dad's race. But it's amazing who will win the prize. There are people in this church that you don't honour and you don't know, but God, God knows them and sees them. 
privately faithful in prayer, privately faithful in holiness, privately faithful in not gossiping or criticizing, privately faithful in studying the prayer and studying the word and praying. These people God sees because God sees everything, doesn't he? Everything we do, think and say, and we're all being weighed before the prize given. The New New Testament also teaches that believers can reign in this life. Did you know that? Romans 5.17 says that we're to reign in life through Jesus Christ. So that one who is set in the majesty, right under the majesty on high, his delegated authority can come through every Christian believer to establish the kingdom of God on the earth. Second point, not only do we reign in this life, we will also reign with Jesus Christ for eternity. Okay, so think about Daniel 7, 18, verse 27, Revelation 26, which talks about our millennial reign, and Revelation 22, 5, talks about the fact that the saints will raise reign with Jesus Christ. Isn't that lovely? I have a beautiful image from 20th century literature of this moment. I'm going to ask Martin when to play a video. If you're like me and you like fantasy genre of writing, this is one of my favorite types of children's writing. I was a teacher, primary teacher for 10 years. I love fantasy genre. Let's have a look at The Crowning at Care Paravel. Listening Eastern Sea, I give you Queen Lucy, the Valiant. the great western wood, King Edmund, the just, to the radiant southern sun, Queen Susan, the gentle, and to the clear northern sky, I give you King Peter, the magnificent. Once a king or queen of Narnia, always a king or queen. May your wisdom grace us until the stars rain down from the heavens. Long live King Peter! Long live King Edward! Long live Queen Susan! Long live King It's going to be a really happy day, isn't it? When Jesus, the Lion of Judah, hands out crowns to believers, there are some people who have been forgotten in the shadows who will be celebrated in the light on that day. And it is a day the Bible speaks about. Can I say to you that when one parent of two sons came to Jesus and said, can my sons, one sit at your right and one at your left when you're in your glory, Jesus didn't say, that's impossible, madam, that never happens in heaven. 
He made inference that there was a possibility for human beings to ascend to those heights by saying, it's not mine to give. And he said, can you bear the cup which I'm about to bear? And they said, we are able to bear it. He said, you will bear the cup of suffering that I'm about to bear, but these places are for my father alone to give. Our Aslan, our God and Father, will give out rewards as Jesus the judge delegated to judge the living and the dead, goes through the lives when the books are opened. And many of you will be celebrated for the hidden things, not just the public things. It does mean that everything in your life matters. There isn't a time, privately hidden or publicly displayed, where your life does not matter to God. This is why this teaching is so important. Your whole life matters to God. My whole life matters to God. And the heart of it is for the Christian disciple to do what Jesus said from the beginning is follow him. These are the children of God, those who are led by the Holy Spirit. Obeying his commands is a thing that speaks of eternal life. Being somebody who loves him and knows him is more important than productivity. And so at the heart of being a Christian is the intimacy with Christ and his Father and the obedience to the nudges of the Holy Spirit. And if like a sat-nav you've got off track, today's a day to get back on with accruing rewards because that's just God's economy. Economy comes from the word oikonomos in the Greek, which means house rules. In other words, the way that everything is ordered. God's economy for rewards is that if we sow for eternity... We will reap in eternity. God has to be true to the patterns of what he set up physically, that whatsoever a man shall sow, that they shall also reap. Children, don't worry. We're going to come into something for you now soon. So the five crowns listed in the New Testament, like those we saw at Care Paravel in the Narnia Chronicles, are available to all believers. Let's start with the crown of life, children. Crown of life and... You might find that on your little sheet, the crown of life, James 1, 12. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, the person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So believers in this room who've suffered trial, temptation or persecution will be rewarded for persevering and continuing to love the Lord in spite of their challenging journey, the brokenness of what they've been through. I haven't got time to go into the word from James that's there in the Greek, but it's parasmon or parazon, different word, same, same root. And it's this idea of trial or temptation. The only other reference I can point to that's obvious is 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it says, when you're tested or tempted, God will provide a way of escape. In other words, a way out of it so that you can sustain your faith in Christ in spite of all that you're going through. So some people wonder why this is happening to me in this life. God is testing your faith. First Peter 1, so that when Jesus returns, it might be found to be proven to be real faith that is found to praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And I know it will praise, glory, and honor Jesus, but I also believe there will be glory you walk into for your perseverance. David Jeremiah, Pastor David Jeremiah said, in the early days of heaven, those people will be walking around with the crown of life because they endured trials and suffering and honored God in the midst of it. Children, 
draw a picture or something that points the idea of keeping on going when life is hard and still believing in spite of all that you're going through. Something like that. What could people go through? I'm going to try and speed up because I'm aware of time. Second crown, the crown of glory. 1 Peter 5, 4. This is for shepherds. This is the shepherd's crown. Verse 4 of 1 Peter 5 says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. That's interesting, isn't it? That phrase, it will never fade away. Now, God has one of the five crowns reserved for those who are in leadership and who are faithful shepherds of God's people. And you know what? You don't have to be a pastor or even on church staff to earn it. Maybe you shepherd a small group like a DC group. Maybe you facilitate the care of believers privately just because you love God's people and you pray for them and you visit them and you serve them. If you have done that, you are shepherding the flock and you are entitled to that prize. So children, crown two, draw a picture of people caring for God's people privately and publicly. Includes teaching as I'm doing now and visitation and practical help. Number three, the crown of rejoicing. First Thessalonians 2.19. This is reserved for soul winners. Verse 19 of First Thessalonians says, For what is our hope, our joy, our crown, in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Is it not you? In other words, the people would be the crown of rejoicing for soul winners. Sometimes this is known as the soul winner's crown, and the crown of rejoicing is the crown that Almighty God gives to us when we reach out to others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Paul was talking to the Thessalonians, he said, in effect, Thessalonians, let me tell you what the crown of rejoicing is. It's you. Because we minister to you, and someday when we stand before the Lord, you're going to be there because we had a ministry to you. I think about John in Skelmersdale that wouldn't have been saved. He's in heaven now, had we not ministered to him that day in street evangelism. Some people in the church are a constant witness. They talk to people all the time about Jesus. They're the candidates for this crown. Can I say to you, children, the crown three, the crown of rejoicing is about sharing the gospel with other people who don't yet know Jesus. Number four, Crown number four out of five is the crown of victory. Can you get your crown of victory ready? Yes, Tim. Because I'm going to let someone wear this for this moment, okay? Crown of victory, read about Paul talking about the difference between a perishable and an imperishable crown in the Greek games. Paul's point is that winning a race requires training, discipline, and sacrifice. And if athletes work so diligently to win a perishable crown, how much more motivated should we be as Christians to win an imperishable crown from God? If we're to win the victory crown, we too must practice discipline and lots of sacrifice. Can you stand at the front with your victory crown, Yeston? Can I have Tano Lokoda? come to the front. I couldn't think of anyone more worthy athletically than the, cy the cyborg himself. <laughs> Probably sat tired after lots of shifts and church service, <laughs> limping out in not quite the form of glory he had. <laughs> <laughs> 
let's give it to your uncle. He deserves it. And unfortunately, because you're an elder, you have to give it me back. <laughs> and it costs the church a lot. So stand up, Tannel. Let. I mean, it's going to be a difficult one, that is it? Can you reach? Go and put it on him then, and then we'll stand up, and you can hold his hand up in victory. There you go. Yay! <laughs> right, the challenge. The challenge is to keep it on now as Charles and Camilla struggle to keep their crowns on your serving for the rest of the session. Now, Yestin, it was remiss of me to miss out giving to children those others, so I'm going to come back to that at the end. Final one. Sorry, final penultimate one. The crown of rejoicing, 2 Timothy 4, 8. Now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, should I say, not crown of rejoicing, I've written it wrong. The crown of righteousness, which... The Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also all who have longed for his appearing, the crown of righteousness. Paul was prepared to meet the Lord, and he was certain of his own imminent death. As he wrote the second letter to Timothy, like Paul, some people have their heart set on heaven and on, on seeing Jesus Christ. I was talking to Gia yesterday. It's um, three years since Rob passed into eternity. She's gone to Green Pass this morning, messaged her this morning. Um, Green Acres, not Green Pastures, remembering her husband. But she reminded me last week of this crown of righteousness for all who long for his appearing. And I could see the glow on Gia's face as she was like, I understand that. I know that's right. I'm looking forward to his appearing. She seemed to be looking forward to that day. Is anyone else looking forward to that day? Amen. These, these are the people that will win the crown of righteousness because they love and long for the appearing of the Lord Jesus. It's a bit like Revelation 22:17. the spirit and the bride say, come. Amen. That, that is the last one, isn't it? I'm doing that. Let's get the children's pictures and go through them. So the crown of life, children, was for those who suffer in this life but carry on believing. That was your first picture. The crown of glory is for shepherds who look after God's people. The crown of rejoicing is for those who are winning people to Jesus by sharing the gospel. Then the victory crown is for those who, with discipline and sacrifice, win, walk and live as those who seek the prize. And then the final one was the crown of righteousness or crown of rejoicing as it's also a crown of righteousness as I put crown of rejoicing underneath, which is for the Lord, the righteous judge to give for people who long for his appearing and love the Lord. Crown of righteousness. I've written it wrong in my notes. Okay. Can I just have a few bits of feedback from the children? Who's done a good picture they want to tell me about? And I'm going to give out crowns for really good ones.